price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. We just form a fucking O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! Pistons down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to episode number 26 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. My name is Brendan Johnson and I am your host. Aaron Johnson returns from vacation this week. Ryan Pay, his attendance consistent as usual. Again, here with us this week. And Ryan, we get to welcome Aaron back to the show. Any words after Aaron's unannounced, or I guess late announced, vacation week last week? Yeah, how was that DNP, that little coach's uh, coach's decision there for you? (laughs) Oh man, it was not a vacation. Let me tell you that much. I'm I'm always busy. Just know that I was off for very uh, serious reasons. Oh, give me get out of here. Get out of here. You sound like you're overselling an injury right now. Straight up took a game off mid season for rest. (laughs) AKA, you know, hurt hurt ankle, hurt leg. Okay, all right. Check the injury report. I'm back and I'm ready to carry the load per usual. Oh. Jeez. Okay, guy. <laughs> well, hopefully Aaron doesn't have an injury to worry about because, well, if he was a part of the Pistons, they're without a head trainer as John Ishup was let go this past week. And, you know, we mentioned previously on the podcast that Arnie Kander has taken over an administrative role here with the Pistons um, and an advisory role with that athletic training and strength and conditioning programs. Um, and the Pistons made the decision to let go of John Ishop. You have to imagine that Arnie Kander was a part of that decision. So big news coming out of the Pistons this week, Aaron. Yeah, and I think... Personally, I think it's just the right decision. I know I don't want to blame anyone or you know be happy that anyone lost their job in this kind of a situation. But when you look at the facts, Detroit just did not stay healthy. And the same guys continuously got hurt. We could talk about Reggie Jackson, but that's been talked about so much. I think, I think it's best just to skip him. Let's look at a guy like Stanley Johnson. Last season, he had a back injury. He then had a hip injury. He had a shoulder injury. The guy had injuries across the board in all of these different areas. And they happened, you know, a few games after he came back. He missed a pretty long chunk of games, came back for a couple games, and then had a hip, a hip issue. And you, these things just cannot go un, unnoticed anymore. Like, Detroit is not in a position to where, with guys like Blake Griffin, Reggie Jackson, who've had these long injuries, who have dealt with them over their careers, they're not in a position to just sit back and hope that, 
this season will be better. They got to go out and they got to make a move and get the right people within the organization uh, to ensure that these players are going to stay healthy. And then if they do get injured, making sure that they're getting the necessary treatment they need to make the full recovery. And when they're back, that their body is in shape to uh, absorb the the contact and the wherewithal that the NBA has on you. Absolutely. Well, last week on the podcast, Ryan, you and I talked about Dwayne Casey establishing an identity for the Pistons. And I think if something else has been established this offseason, and again, this latest move being another example of it, there's an identity of an aggressiveness from the front office and a smart aggressiveness uh, that they're not going to sit back and they're not going to take chances. They're not going to risk having uh, a potential for a guy like Reggie Jackson to go down again and miss a prolonged number of games. They're going to try to prevent Blake Griffin from missing a prolonged number of games. And I think we have to like the aggressiveness of the Pistons front office uh, in making this move and uh, in the end trying to make a change for the betterment of the organization. Oh, absolutely. They're going for it. You can tell they're not like you said. They're aggressive. They're not just sitting around and waiting. As soon as they brought back Arnie Kander, you could tell the writing was on the wall. Was anybody really surprised by John Isha being fired here? Anyone? Not really. Anyone really? No. I mean, I I thought it was going to happen. I just I didn't know when. I'm glad it happened on now, so they could the, get the this second done. Arnie Kander was hired back in as a consultant. I knew this was I, like I just knew this was going to happen. There was no way he was sticking around. Aaron, you just kept bringing... The Stanley Johnson example is a perfect example. Injury after injury after injury. And this guy was... He was allowed to go on for a while. You knew it. Once the changes were being made, once Arnie Kander was back, it's the aggressiveness. It's, we're going for it. We got to do this right. One thing I'd like to add on that is Ishup was a hire of Stan Van Gundy when he started in Detroit in 2014. And I think this is really another... Just kind of testament to Detroit cleaning the slate of Stan Van Gundy. Drain the swamp. The Stan Van Gundy swamp. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Aaron just stared at me. We'll cut this. Don't worry. We'll cut this. Are you serious right now? Just just add some flavor, Aaron. Have, have some fun, Just man. a little fun, man. It's not serious. Just, you know, loosen up, buddy. Well, as I was saying, (laughs) it's just a testament to Detroit really getting rid of anything Stan Van Gundy did or had done or had an effect on in this organization. You know, they clear out his entire coaching staff alongside him. They clear out Jeff Bauer, the general manager he worked with. Now they clear out the head trainer. And it just, it shows you that they really are looking at just a completely different direction than they were going with in with Stan Van Gundy. Well, the Pistons, they certainly want to be healthy as they have four nationally televised games on ESPN this upcoming season. They also play six times on NBA TV as well. But a good slate of games for the Pistons uh, on ESPN. Their first one that they will play comes on December 7th versus Philadelphia. They'll play January 9th in Los Angeles on ESPN, so you get a late-night game. Um, February 27th in San Antonio, another late-night game on ESPN. And then in Miami, they're on ESPN. So they come to Detroit once versus that uh, Philadelphia 76ers teams. The other three times on ESPN, Pistons are on the road. Um... But a couple of interesting matchups there. You get a chance to see the Lakers. You get a chance to see the 76ers. Um, It'll be interesting to see the Pistons and the Spurs. Still not fully sure what we're going to get out of the Spurs this year. And then that Miami matchup, you never know. That could end up being a battle for one of those maybe final playoff spots or mid-playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. As I told Ryan before we got on, first of 70 in that Detroit-Miami game. Late March, first of 70, that's who wins the game. It's going to be an ugly one. 
Oh, absolutely. But uh, it's going to have playoff ramifications. I do believe that. So that's going to be an interesting game. I mean, we're going to be cheering for a 64-62 win. But, you know, <laughs> that's where it's at. And that's what it's going to be. But it'll be fun. Right. Honestly, I, I'm i not mad at this uh, national schedule for the Pistons. I, I really like Philadelphia at Little Caesars that, Arena. That game excites me. I like that a lot, too. I think it's really important for Detroit. I think that you don't want to label must-wins when you haven't played a game in the season. But it's as close to a must-win as it can be just for uh, this is what the national media is going to think of you. This is what the national, you know. People who watch basketball—that's their. Are gonna that's think about the you. first time. That's the first the time national media and everyone, everyone in America gets to see Detroit. Right, and it's up against one of the, one of the pretty girls in Philly. You know, team, up and comers, well, that, a team that beat up Detroit every time. Oh yeah, they played every last time season. last year. And you know that the marketing for that game is going to be Philadelphia travels to Detroit. Watch Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and then they might throw in a quick Andre Dunk. But that's all the preview is going to be for that game. It's all going to be watch Philadelphia go on the road to Detroit. When they play the Lakers, it's King James at home, takes on the Pistons. That's all the marketing is going to be for that game. The Spurs, they're San Antonio. Popovich, DeRozan, take a chance at watching the Spurs as they bring in the Pistons at 10.30 on ESPN. Uh, The only game that has a chance for the Pistons to get good PR from ESPN is that Miami game, depending how the standings are. So that's three opportunities, though, for Detroit to go on national TV and really earn some respect as they're not going to be the PR favorite. They're not going to be expected to win based off the matchups, the way you look at things right now. Um, and, and again, anytime you go play the Lakers or you go play one of those national media powerhouses, um, the media is going to favor somebody else the, or one of those big teams to win, not a team like Detroit. Um, but a good opportunity for them to go showcase their brand of basketball. And you have to think that adding Blake Griffin helps to getting those four nationally televised games. Well, it it doesn't it, it, it didn't jump the number. It's a, it's the same thing as it was last year with four nationally televised games. Um, but I think, you know, I last year, if, I, if you would have asked me this question, I was going to be pissed off because I feel like Detroit got slighted. But at this point... They've missed a playoff for two seasons in a row. They have a new coach coming in. It's going to be an entirely new system. I'm okay with them only getting four games. And the thing is, if they're good enough, they're going to get games added because that's what happens throughout the year. I'm not really worried about the PR and the marketing because when Blake Griffin's dropping absolute bombs on LeBron and the Pistons earn more national play, ta- whoa, uh, national whoa. TV games, yeah, hot take. Bold take. Bold take. Blake Griffin no. dropping bombs on LeBron. Oh, I'm ready for it. Blake's coming. Blake's coming. Back in L.A. I know it's not the Clippers, but that's where he wants to be. You know that's where he wants to be. He loves L.A. Spends all his time out there in the offseason. That's his home. He's coming. Alan, he's going to put on a show. I know it. National TV, LeBron, the Lakers, L.A. Come on, dude. God, you bro. know it. You know Blake's Ryan coming is in that getting game. so hype right but now. Oh, Blake man. Griffin is coming against the Lakers. That's big time. Ryan is fired up, and you have I'm to imagine. Just, just thinking about that right now. National TV Blake LA. Griffin is here to play that night. I would have loved to have seen Pistons Clippers on national oh, TV. Now, nobody else in the world would have cared to see that matchup <laughs> because uh, tough ratings uh, night for ESPN. But I think there's a fair amount of uh, Blake Griffin stands out there that would have liked to see him go, go see, back to the that's Clippers. That's the thing. That's uh, a, go back to LA. That's the thing. Blake Griffin is still marketable. Like, he's he was... At, a, at the peak of his career, you know, he was a star in the NBA, and he's still marketable. You look at it, thing like his Twitter following. He's a movie star, you guys. You know, he's got millions of followers. He's got those people that know Blake Griffin. 
He's still that name. Detroit hasn't had that name in forever. Blake Griffin's that name. May not be the same player he was, but he still is that name, and that's what draws people to the Pistons, even though those national television games didn't come with it. No doubt. Well, we'll get more into the level of player Blake Griffin is in just a little bit, but circling back to the schedule, the Pistons do open up their season October 17th against the Brooklyn Nets, and if you followed the Pistons at Detroit Pistons on Twitter, you would have gotten to see a series of uh, videos. It was Hooper's schedule release. And I gotta say, guys, for the Pistons Twitter, which, to be honest, it's you know not one of the more entertaining ones in the NBA. It's kind of just the standard does its job. That was really creative on their part. I thoroughly enjoyed watching those. Those were those were great. And I the first thing I thought was like, you wouldn't expect this from the Pistons social media team because it's just they don't, they've never really done something like that before. And I just I got a really good kick out of them. You know, I'm not saying I was sitting over here cracking up laughing, but just enjoying you know what they were and i just i liked watching them i thought some of them were really good i liked like as a wwe fan i liked the warriors one where uh hooper had the warrior action figure on this through it i thought that was funny there were some good ones i like i i liked them i thought it was a good the good barber shop with the clippers oh, i i absolutely appreciate the creativity of this when you when you were showing me on brendan uh and he hooper was just cutting the net down i was like What's this going to go into? Where does this lead? And then it just pops up, Pistons Nets. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's pretty clever. I like that. And then it just kept going on. The Clipper one, the Warrior one. The Lucky when, Charms. The Lucky Charms. When he hits the bowl of cereal out of the little girl's hand. <laughs> that was great. I, uh, what else? When, the, when he put the shades down in his house, he had, like, he had a headache and he was blocking out the sun. Just the... Cr- Small creative things they Plugs did. I, the uh, instrument for the jazz music where they have the... Uh, the with like a plastic the sax ball or something. Yeah, the sax. He just... Uh, really creative. I actually really enjoyed that. <laughs> I thought it was quite humorous. Not you know, it, th- it wasn't you know, knock your socks off funny. It was kind of just like a, very it humorous, a slap very happy. well done, very well done. I thought and it'd be something interesting to see if the Pistons can continue to build make off this. Let's get some momentum going. Media pushes. Take notes from the pals of Pistons, I guess, guys. That's what we're trying to say. Well, I think the thing is to 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 go with what you were saying. You look at teams that are not big markets. They're not the best teams in the league. They don't have that, you know, just draw of them being really good. That's why people know their Twitter or know the team, whatever. You look at a team like the Atlanta Hawks, the Portland Trailblazers, the Denver Nuggets. Those are teams that do a great job making creative content, interacting with fans on social media. And that's why, as lower market teams, they succeed and have, you know, good interactions on Twitter. And people, you know, they know them. Because they do a really good job of marketing their team, being funny, being creative, and doing all that. And I think that would you know only help Detroit. I mean, it's only a positive thing to do something like that. Just builds their brand. Social media marketing 101 with Aaron Johnson. Nice job, Aaron. Thank you. Um, so, again, the Pistons did this schedule release and mentioned they play October 17th versus the Brooklyn Nets. Friendly home opener or friendly season opener for the Pistons, I think, in a game where they should be favored. Uh, always nice to have one of those games, hopefully, under your belt and can start the season and the Dwayne Casey era on a positive note. But, Aaron, for you, any other takeaways from this Detroit Pistons schedule? Well, you look at their longest homestand and their longest road trip of the season, pretty even stuff. They have a six-game homestand. They have a five-game road trip throughout the season. Those are the longest in those two categories. What stands out to me uh, with their schedule is the month of December, which is an abs- going to be an absolute bloodbath. 
11 of their 15 games in December come against teams that made the playoffs last last season. You got your Warriors, you got your Sixers, teams of that nature. So they're going up against a lot of playoff competition. All those teams expected to be in the mix for playoff spots this year. Then they got you know the Hornets thrown in there. I think Brooklyn's in there as well. Um, but December is going to be a very challenging month for Detroit. And when I talk about that on Twitter, someone told me better it be earlier on in the season than late in the season when it's go time for them making that final push for a playoff spot. And I, that's really true, but. Um, I don't know, man. I think December could be a very rough month for Detroit. The thing is, I couldn't agree more because I think, you know, you look at the Pistons the last couple of years, Ryan, they've started off strong and they've built up this this sense of like, hey, we're legit, we're here, and then they fell off the face of the earth and they hung around in that nine, eight to ten seed range until they officially established themselves for the final like three weeks of the season as the number nine seed in the East. Um, but... To have that ability to bounce back if December's a tough a tough month, I think it's big for the Pistons. I think so, too. Um, like you said, they start off strong, and they get their confidence shot right away because they go on quick losing streaks. May, I, I tend to agree with the let's get it out of the way early, but at the same time, a part of me feels like let's get some confidence going. Maybe I wish this was a, maybe a month later in the season so they can build more, get their repertoire going more. Hopefully they're all healthy at that point. So now they've really got... Because this is technically really their first year together of their big three. Maybe I want a little more time for them to grow. I know they've had their summer and they're going to have their preseason, their first couple months. But really get together and gel and then maybe take this on a month later. Maybe not at the end of the year, but... They're really only going to have, you know... As long as it's pre-All-Star break, in my opinion. I I agree. I agree with that. That's what I 100% agree with that. I'm just saying I don't... I don't want them to, you know, absolutely poop the bed and go, you know, three and twelve in the month of December, and that just shoot down their confidence the rest of the year. I think the biggest thing with this is they it now puts pressure on them to get chemistry within Dwayne Casey's system. They're going to have to get that pretty fast. Yeah. Because oh, definitely. Like you said, you you can't afford to go three and twelve in December. You can't afford to do that any month. And for no. a team like Detroit, that's going to be battling for playoff position. They say they want to battle for home court advantage. You just can't afford to do something like that. Um, so they got to be ready. Oh, the pressure's and, absolutely and, and on. The pressure's going to be on them. And to be honest, you look at the start of the season for them. They get you know the first two games of the season, and then they face some tough competition like right away. They get Brooklyn, and then they get Chicago, two, which should be wins. But then they go against Philadelphia, they have Cleveland, they have Boston – Back to back against Boston, they got Philadelphia and Brooklyn again. So they're they're getting this mix of teams right off the bat. Philadelphia, Boston, these teams that are going to be good, and and they got to be ready. And I I'm worried that that the normal hot start for Detroit may not be as hot as it usually is because they're getting some tough teams mm-hmm. right away. A little taste of the East Coast at the beginning of the season, right? Exactly. A little Boston, a little oh, Philadelphia. The, begin- the beginning of. Oh, Philadelphia. <laughs> the, uh, no, the beginning of the Little season. Boston. Hello, Boston. Uh, the beginning of the season is a bit of a bear, just like December. But I, I'm not mad at like the very beginning of the season being a uh, being a bit of a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of want to know what we got. Like, yeah, I want to see where we're at. We're as not, long as it's not, you know, a huge stretch where it's like Jesus Christ. The Pistons are not a young team anymore. They're not. Yeah, you know, they're not. You know, they're, they're not leaders. an old team, but they're no, an experienced no. team at this. Andre, point. sure, Andre Drum's only 25, but he's been in the league seven years or whatever it is. All right, he's a veteran. He's a leader now. Reggie Jackson's 26, 27. Blake's 29. 
Those are your leaders. Those are experienced vets. Those aren't 21-year-old kids leading the team. Mm-hmm. So it's it, you need to see them come out strong. And then like just like that, and Stanley Johnson, he's a fourth-year player now. You better be ready, big dog, because this December, that's going to be a bear. So, I mean, it, they shouldn't take any sort of nosedive. This needs to be a team that's ready to go, boys. Make a statement early. All the way through. I think man, it's important. Man, talking about the schedule just has me really excited for the season. I, I'm just – I'm excited too. I'm honestly, honestly, I'm you guys up. know I'm a college football guy, like, one. You know that's my number one. But talking about this right now, even with college football right around the corner, I'm just like, let's go. Get it here now. I need these Pistons games. I know. On. I need Pistons Sixers. I need Pistons Celtics. Dude, I, I, I just I just want Pistons Lakers. I just want Blake Griffin <laughs> to drop bombs on LeBron. Dude, January 9th. Honestly, we, Maybe we need to go to L.A. for that game. A little watch party? A little watch party? <laughs> Ryan's going to be amped up, man. I'm ready. I'm ready what to what go. Kind of, what kind of beer do you want for that night? What do you, what's your drink of choice for uh, January 9th? All of it. Let's do all of it. I want to find out what day of the week, January 9th. Is that a, is that oh, a midweek or is that a weekend? Night. Awesome. Because that's, that's important. And you know what? Either way, we'll make it happen. January 9th, Wednesday night, as uh, I assume it would be on Wednesday. Naturally. Can't have anything nice. Got to have it right midweek. Hey, Palace of Pistons uh, social media followers, let us know January 9th, Metro Detroit area, the best place to go on a Wednesday night for Pistons Watch Party. Any recommendations? You can tweet at Palace of Pistons, tweet at pay underscore Ryan, or tweet at media Brendan. Let us know. Or I guess you could tweet at A. Johnson NBA as well. We don't want to uh, include him, but whatever. That's a nice eye roll. I'm used to it. <laughs> That's a nice eye roll. I think Aaron's <laughs> a little more serious on his Twitter push. Like, Aaron doesn't care about, hey, what bar go watch this game, man. He wants to know about the, the, the real stuff, right? The important stuff. Yeah, I, I, the difference between my Twitter and his Twitter is quite different. <laughs> Way more lax on this end. No doubt Way about that. Way more lax. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can get you a little more fired up then than rather let's be lax. NBA 2K ratings. Blake Griffin ranked at 86 overall. Jason Tatum ranked at 87 overall. Aaron, there's literally smoke like coming out of his ears. He's hot tempered, face is red. You can put some water on there, it'll start boiling any minute. Aaron, your reaction to Jason Tatum having a higher ranking than Blake Griffin? I think the sad thing Calm is. Calm down, man. I think Calm the, down. I think the sad thing <laughs> is, I'm not surprised. Like, this is classic 2K. They gotta beef up the young players. They gotta beef up the guys that are popular, or whatever, and they just get ratings that just do not, they do not deserve. Like, I am a huge Jason Tatum fan. There was I, I I don't like you know rooting for other teams, but like when I was watching the Celtics in the playoffs, like I was like, dude, they can do this. Like they can knock off LeBron. They got this. Jason Tatum is that man. But the dude averaged like fourteen points in his rookie season. And to go and say that overall-wise, he's better than a guy that is a multi-time NBA All-Star, is was an MVP candidate, averaged more points, more assists, more rebounds, all of that stuff. And to say that Jason Tatum, after one season in the league, overall is better than him, is bullshit. The only, the only thing I could say to that in terms of comparing the stats is that Blake Griffin's the feature piece in Detroit. Jason Tatum was like the fourth piece in Boston. Now listen, I, I you know I, I get where the NBA is coming from. Kind of on the same page of you got to push your young guys. You got to the he, NBA. He's wants the future that. of the NBA. Just so Jason Tatum's the future. I get why he's an eighty-seven. So you have to do it. The thing with me is that 
I, I just like Aaron was hot and bothered. I just I wasn't I wasn't well, I really two K. Like I play it. So, like, I do I too. Care. I'm a 13-time NBA okay. champion with an unnamed organization. Jesus. What, you, what, what does that mean? You think you're going to be a GM one day? You're not going to name the organization? Well, it's it's, it's just not the Pistons. I wouldn't want to hurt pull the up, Pistons faithful. Pull, they, you're in the interview. They pull up this podcast. So what uh, what organization were you running back Oh, then? I can tell them. I can tell them about all my guys. Freddy Those Staples. sick video game moves in 2K. <laughs> but seriously, is anyone was anyone really surprised that Jason Tatum was ranked Higher than Blake no, Griffin. It honestly, didn't, it didn't really surprise me. So, honestly, I'm not even mad at Jason Tatum's uh, overall rating as an 87. Just make can Blake play. Griffin higher. I yeah, Blake Griffin should definitely be higher though. I, I Blake Griffin's not even rated the best player on the Pistons. Right. Well, is, how that's nonsense. Is Blake Griffin's 86 a representation of he's lost in the national sight because he's in Detroit? I don't even think it's that. I don't. I, it just doesn't make sense because, like, Blake Griffin was one of five players in the league to average, you know, twenty points, five assists, five rebounds, whatever that stat was. Like, he was one of five players in the league to do that. Like, he's still a very good player, and for some reason, like, since joining the Pistons, he's just this, you know, dirt. Like, he's not good or something, and it just doesn't make any sense. The narrative around him once he got moved was Blake Griffin can't play anymore, and that's why LA moved him. Everyone talks about, like, his contract being terrible, and, like, it's going to be terrible at the end of his contract. But right now, like, that's what the market is for a top-level player, and that's what Blake Griffin is still right now. He won't be that at the end of his contract. And then, when he gets that criticism, that's fine. But the man got paid because he deserved to get paid, and, like, this just 2K rating, it just doesn't make any sense. And I wanted to talk about your point of Jason Tatum being the fourth guy on the Boston Celtics and, like, how that kind of makes him have, makes his stats or whatever not as good as they could be. And that's, like, fine, that's fair. But, like, at the end of the day, that's his role. So, like, yeah, you could say maybe if whoever the fourth, like, let's say Luke Kennard was the fourth guy on the Pistons, if he was the first guy, maybe he would be an 87. I just don't understand. I don't think that argument is very fair because it just doesn't, have any well, I, I I mean the only thing is Blake Griffin's the centerpiece of what Detroit does. He's the centerpiece of the offense. He's the feature piece. He's the number one scoring option. He's the number one guy. Jason Tatum until I mean he, he was not you can't really call him the forgotten guy. Jason Tatum got his name through the playoffs. Right. Right. And you know, teams are going into games playing the Celtics and they're scouting Kyrie Irving. They're scouting Al Horford. There's even scouting guys like Marcus Smart, or they're scouting Jalen Brown, and not that Jason Tatum isn't on their list, but you know, they're when you play the Celtics, if you stop Kyrie and you stop Al Horford, you like your chances to win. And Jason Tatum took advantage of that opportunity by making a name in the playoffs. But in that regard, because Al Horford and Kyrie were the top two scoring options for Boston, and Jalen Brown, who has again been there several years and more established. Um, for Tatum to go out and average 14 points a game, I think is pretty darn impressive. You guys sure. are youngins. You guys are youngins. Recency bias. What is our most recent memory memories of Jason Tatum doing well That's in fair. the playoffs? No, he's right. Close to rising LeBron. Like, yes, he's that, he's that, that guy. recency bias, fellas. Don't let it heat you up. Because Blake Griffin is going to – I think he's going to do well to start the season – and then the update's going to come out on 2K, and he's going to be a 90. And we're going to be like, yeah, that's what I thought. And that's it. Don't get so mad, Aaron. It's okay. Don't get me wrong. It's it's nonsense. It makes no sense. But it's all right. It's just a video game. It's not real. And Blake Griffin's going to show you that it's just a video game. 
And in real life, he's going to put up the 22, 23, and 8, and 5, and the offense is going to go through him, and hopefully he doesn't get hurt so we can actually enjoy it for more than a five-game stretch. <laughs> that was that was good. Like, Aaron's face just went from, like, boiling red to, like, medium heat. Like, that's a significant difference. It, it, youngins, man. Therapy, I, I had, like, psychiatrists, when I, man. When I was if, 18, if you want to go career change, like... When I was 18, I had that heat, too. I'm not 18 anymore, fellas. I, I've learned a little bit. It's just a little recency bias. Who wasn't in the playoffs? Blake Griffin in the Pistons. Who had a real struggle after the first five games uh, that he was there? Blake Griffin in the Pistons. Blake, after that first game he debuted with the Pistons, kind of went on a bit of a rough streak. Brought it back and finished the season very nicely until he got hurt. But that's what we most remember about Blake Griffin at this point. He's got what is deemed an absurd contract. He got traded because LA thought he couldn't really play anymore. Or he could play, just wasn't good good enough to get them where they wanted to go. And then he had a bit of a rough skid when, when the fire and the attention was on him when he was in Detroit. And then Jason Tatum came in in the playoffs and became pretty much that number one, two option in Boston, posterized LeBron, took him to seven games. It's just a little recency bias, fellas. And it's all right. And yeah, it's all good. In the playoffs, Jason Tatum really led the way with the absence of Kyrie and he took LeBron to seven. Definitely did. He did. He was that guy. Everyone thought it was going to be uh, the Jalen Brown and Al Horford show. Both of them did well. Don't get me wrong. But Jason Tatum really made his name there. And that, that's all this is, guys. It's all right. It's okay. Aaron, final remarks. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Jesus. <laughs> okay, Marshawn. Oh, my God. Maybe time. To, why don't you take a 20, all right? Chill You hot. got a DNP last week. You can't yeah, how are, say that. How are you coming back with that? You were, Yeah, I know. You sat out last week. That That's low. I'm a little troubled. Yeah. Maybe your 2K rating just fell. I don't know. I thought you were. Saying. I thought you were in like a ninety-five, ninety-six. Oh shoot! I'm, I'm just oh, saying. I shoot. thought you were. Donovan Mitchell is leading my team pretty far right now. That's all I'm saying. And by the way, to all the listeners that voted on on my poll on my Twitter page the other day when I asked if it would be appropriate for me to wear a Donovan Mitchell jersey to the Detroit Tigers game that night, I don't appreciate you. I wanted to have some fun. The Tigers suck. Why couldn't I wear a nice jersey out to right. the game? We can all be. It was understandable to be mad for last season about Donovan Mitchell, and it still sucks, but Luke Kennard is going to be an asset. Let's enjoy Luke Kennard. Let's focus on what he can do for yeah, this team. Yeah, if you right? would have had the Kennard jersey, go buy your Kennard jersey. Go buy your Kennard jersey. Where to the next Tigers game you go to? Let the Tigers know they're trash, and we hope this rebuild continues. And, and in the meantime. Pistons are rocking and rolling. Splash. See, I can go get you know a bootleg Donovan Mitchell jersey for fifteen bucks online. I can't find a bootleg Canard jersey. I gotta go buy the MVA version, which is like one hundred thirty-five bucks. And Make one at home. He's a big, <laughs> right. acts like he's not a big baller and can't just go buy right. that jersey. I know. <laughs> yeah, I got all that vaca- vlogging money. Takes vacations mid pod, mid season. Right. A little DNP. Okay, just don't show up. That's fine. Well, I gotta buy the NBA jersey. Yeah, I just want, I just want the. Aftermarket. Hey, but still, but still, talk about my tweet on the podcast. Still, still definitely talk about it though. <laughs> Hate you guys. Hate you guys. Whoa, oh, what is this? <laughs> One more topic to uh, get into here on episode number twenty-six of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Something that Aaron did want to hit on, and of course, you know, he comes back, and we're back to following Aaron's orders. Um, Rightfully so. So anyways, oh uh, <laughs> he wanted to talk about 
Um, what is the ideal small ball lineup for the Detroit Pistons? And I think it's an interesting conversation to have. I do think it's going to be one that we're all on the same page about. But then to add to this, how much can the Pistons theoretically play that small ball lineup? Ryan, I'll start with you. It's it's a challenge because I think a big problem with the small ball lineup will be defense. Because uh, I have Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard in my small ball lineup with Reggie Bullock. And I don't think Reggie uh, Jackson and Luke Kennard play much defense. And that's a problem. Reggie Bullock, I mean, he tries. And then at the four, I'm going to put Glenn Robinson. Because he needs some man meat out there. He needs some muscle. And I like Blake at the five in the small ball lineup. Boys, yes. spread it out. I love giving Blake and Reggie Jackson the opportunity to spread the floor, run their own version of the pick and roll, while you've got everything else spread out, and you've got your sharpshooters in the corners on the wings ready to shoot. I don't know. I really love the idea of that. Even if you want to switch out Stan Johnson and uh, Glenn Robinson, I'm okay with that too. That doesn't bother me. I'm fine with that. It's just, I don't know how much you can. Like Glenn Robinson and Stanley Johnson are going to be hardcore defenders. They can both play great defense. But after that, the defense and the rest of that lineup, meh. So you got to hope it's just kind of a little bit of a run-and-gun setup, get it going, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, and I wrote about this a little bit in an article I did about Links and Galloway uh, on PalaceOfPistons.com. Talk about a guy just lost in the mix. He Very really much. is. He really Very is, and much. that's unfortunate because I think he's, he, he can still be a decent NBA player, but there's just, just really, no, just really not, no room for him right now in Detroit, but... I mentioned that with Detroit's situation at Power Four, and one thing we didn't mention on this podcast, John Moore got hurt again. Yeah, he did get hurt again. I know. How do we not? We we need, we got to talk about this for just a minute here. There's John something Lure else got hurt that again. we didn't mention on this podcast. We don't, don't need no, to mention. No, no, no. We're, we're talking, talking about John Moore. Right yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're talking about John Moore. But he at got the same time, again. is it a surprise really that John Moore got hurt? I mean, honestly, are you surprised at this? I'm not surprised by anything anymore. Of course you're not. It's unreal. But because John Lohr got hurt, and for a player that will not be named, inability to be successful, we're going to see some Stanley Johnson at power forward, and he's going to thrive in that role because he has the body to bang down low with power forwards, and he's quick, and he's going to be able to use that on offense to get past other power forwards, and he's going to succeed a little bit more in that position. Not to where he's going to transition his career into being a power forward, but that's it, why in my small a secondary ball lineup, position, a secondary in a small position. ball lineup, I he's agree. My, he's my power forward. I, agree. I go, I go Reggie Jackson. I go Luke Kennard. And then for me, if you want to go with a little bit more defense, you can go Glenn Robinson the third, or you can go Reggie Bullock. I don't mind with either one of those. But I'm using Stanley Johnson to beef up the defense a little bit. He's a little more versatile than Glenn Robinson in that. I trust him to guard one to four. I trust Glenn to guard two and a few fours. Um, so. I want I wanted to add that defense, and I think with Blake and Reggie spreading the floor and their kind of pick and roll, Stanley can be something that he needs to do. When I saw a great couple of tweets or an article about Stanley Johnson about his his inability to cut, and like that should be exactly what Stanley Johnson is doing right now because he's not a good, very good shooter. Like he should be slashing to the basket, backdoor cuts, off ball cuts, doing all that stuff to get good looks at the rim, mm-hmm. and like use him in that role. Because because that's what his role is. Yeah, he's not a shooter, and that's fine. Like that's fine at this point. He's not a shooter, and if he becomes a league average shooter, perfect. 
but he's not a shooter. So let him slash. And I think in that lineup, that could be effective with Blake spreading the floor. And then you have Kennard. And then you have Bullock or Glenn Robinson the third spreading the floor on the wings, the corners, whatever, shooting threes. I think I think that would be the best option for Detroit. And I, it's okay if you put Glenn at the four too. I think we should see a little bit of both of those lineups just to kind of see what, what they got with that. Because, like, Detroit's going to have to use a small ball lineup at some point because... I don't know about Zaza Pachulia. Like, I know he's a decent backup center. He can still pass the ball. He rebounds. He's smart. And, like, that's fine. But he's just not going to work against some players. And mm-hmm. Detroit's going to have to try some small ball stuff. To have the ability for the Pistons in the first quarter at the six-minute mark to take Blake or Andre off the floor and replace one of them with Glenn Robinson or Stanley and then a couple minutes later, because I would start Reg. In, sorry, in a small ball lineup, I would put Reggie, Kennard, Bullock, uh, Stanley, and Blake. Starting five, you're probably seeing what Reggie. I'm starting Kennard. Um, you probably start Stanley for defense uh, instead of Reggie Bullock. Um, we'll debate this on a later pod. But you'd have Reggie, Kennard, Stanley. Blake, Andre. Now you have the ability to take Blake or Andre out of the game, slide Stanley up to the four, bring Bullock in, uh, slide Stanley up to the four, like Glenn Robinson come in and run the three, Glenn could come run the four, then you could take Andre off the four, bring Blake back in as the five, or take Blake off the floor and let Andre run a little bit with that group with Glenn Robinson at the four and then just three guards spread it out, let Ish run a little pick and roll with Andre. Uh, Maybe Ish is better in a pick and pop scenario with Blake and Reggie's better on the floor with Andre. You find a way to balance that out. I think the small ball lineup though could be really, really dangerous for the for the Pistons um, and can generate a lot of different looks, a lot of different um, you know personnel matchups. It, it, it could really be exciting. Something we haven't seen out of the Pistons of recent years. The idea of Stanley cutting on fours, defending him, uh, really, really is, is is exciting. Honestly, that's what he needs to do. Slash. What's his strong suit right now? Taking the ball to the basket. If we're running a small ball lineup out there, he's going to have other fours and fives, possibly fives too, guarding him. It's perfect. I think if, it's something you got to roll with. I think if Glenn or Stanley can find some success at the four, like this is going to be a pretty deep team, and Detroit isn't usually a deep team, and like that's exciting because, like I said, like you could use Langston Galloway too, like if you got to mm-hmm. slide up some guys in a small ball lineup, like Langston can play some one, Langston can play some two. Um, and, you know, you can use Glenn and you can use Bullock off the bench or whoever it is off the bench. Like, I think, man, I just think you got enough depth on this team to where if one of those guys succeeds as a, a backup four, like, there's there's some, there's something working there. Absolutely. Well, I think this is a good lead into maybe the next podcast and future podcasts as we continue to talk Pistons lineup breakdowns, uh, to talk about, you know, maybe some bold predictions for guys you could see move around to different positions uh, and things of that nature is – still the offseason, but day by day we inch closer to that preseason training camp, and before you know it, it'll be October 17th, it'll be a little chilly outside, and the Pistons and the Nets will be going to battle in game number one of the Dwayne Casey era. So that'll be very exciting stuff. Guys, good work today. Great work. Aaron, welcome back. Thanks Aaron, job good on to the see return. you. Maybe, uh, maybe you'll decide to be more consistent show up for two weeks in a row next week. Uh, it was good to have you back. Yeah, laugh a little bit, too. Just relax. No, no, he was heated. He was heated, heated about Blake Griffin and Jason Tatum. Yes, he he couldn't loosen up. He couldn't. 
Is what it is. We had to try yeah. to bring him back down to earth. I don't know if it works. I don't know. Maybe you'll maybe you'll see son about that soon. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we'll let Aaron simmer down, and we'll let everybody uh, continue to follow Pistons basketball. We hope you continue to stay with us. Again, this is episode number twenty six. We appreciate everybody that tuned in this week. Few plugs. Number one. Go ahead and follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Aaron at A. Johnson NBA. You can follow Ryan at Pay underscore Ryan. That's P-A-Y-E. You can follow myself at Media Brendan. Follow at Palace of Pistons as well. Check out the website, palaceofpistons.com. Instagram at Palace of Pistons. And as always, go on iTunes. Review, rate, subscribe. Tell your friends. Get the word out there tweet at us we love hearing from the fans and we appreciate you following us each and every week here on the palace of pistons with that we'll see you next time for episode number 27 of the palace of pistons podcast Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.